Well, I kept waiting for children's church to go out, but this is fifth Sunday, so y'all are in here. Uh, y'all were in here last week, too. All right. One more week, and we're going to keep you in here. We're not going to let you go anywhere else. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here today. I was just looking, I want to welcome uh, each one of y'all. I was just looking on our uh, Facebook thing, and man, uh, Sonia and Robert Hoke are up in Colorado, I think, or Wyoming one, and they're watching. And uh, Betty's from Hughes Springs, and Lita and Steve uh, White are in Missouri. Shirley Ramey is watching from Washington State. Uh, Dean and Leah Armstrong's in Amarillo. Nell Buchanan is watching from Rockwall. Karen Nemo uh, is uh, in Maine watching. And uh, man, they're, they're scattered all over. Uh, and they're not here. Uh, those of you who are watching, send your tithe in the mail. <laughs> no, <laughs> welcome, we welcome you. I tell you, it, it's been great. It's been a great day. We, we had a, a tremendous baptism at Mason Creek, and then here today with Cason, it was tremendous. Amen? Turn, if you would, to the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Remember, I, I believe that history teaches us that the book of Hebrews was one sermon. He said, man, what a sermon. Well, those people didn't have a whole lot to do then. And uh, they, they sat and... and uh, uh, and just took it in. Let me also do this before we go any further, too. Uh, we are going to be losing Brother Tom. Tom, stand up here with this. Tom Brewington. Tom has been a, just a tremendous blessing in this church, he and his family. And they're moving up north, and uh, Tom builds airplanes, an engineer, and, and he's going to continue to do that ministry there. And he's played the violin here for several years, and we just hate to see him go. And hopefully, yeah, thank you. I think he'll enjoy it, but when that snow starts coming, uh, we're looking for you back down here. Yeah. All right, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, is where we'll start. I heard about the little boy that was five years old, loved to go to Sunday school and church. Just loved it. One day he got strep throat, couldn't go. Had to sit home with the babysitter. And, uh, oh man, he just missed it, missed it so much. But when the family came in for lunch, they all had palm leaves. It was Palm Sunday. And he said, Mama, what are the palm leaves for? And she said, well, when Jesus walked by, everybody kind of waved their palm leaves. And the little boy just ate, stomped his foot, closed his hands, sat down at the dining room table, and he said, that's just about my luck. The Sunday I miss, he shows up. <laughs> I hope y'all are looking for the Lord to come today. Amen? It would satisfy me. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from on evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. 
for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Father, thank you this morning for your precious word. Thank you for the instruction it gives us. Lord, I pray now for each one of us that are under the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray they'll not hear me, but I pray they'll hear a word from you. And I pray that you will speak straight to our hearts and that we would, during the invitation time, uh, come to you and, and, and pour out our heart to you, that we would not linger, we would not wait any longer, we would follow your will. I pray today that you would be honored and glorified in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This sermon, including Hebrews, can sometimes kind of get monotonous because you seem to be going over the same thing. That's how a lot of people learn. It's called rote. You, uh, that's how we learned our multiplication tables. Now, they don't do that anymore, I don't think. But we knew 7 times 9 was 81. My two girls on the front didn't catch that because they were talking. I think we're looking at y'all too, yes. I think so. Don't see a camera down here, do we? No, we learned that by rote. And this message continues in the first part of chapter 10. He continues on of what he's been preaching. He's trying to get us to understand that the old covenant never could save anybody. And he keeps reiterating that. He goes again in the first part of chapter 10 and, and goes through that. And he is looking for the time. The old covenant is a sign of the new covenant. And the new covenant's in heaven. The new high priest is Jesus. So he says in these scriptures, first of all, let us come. What are we coming to? We're going to come to Jesus. We're not coming to a Baptist church. Don't you count on Baptists. I guarantee you. Uh-uh, they'll lead you astray. Uh, and don't, anybody else will too. You don't come to a denomination. You don't come to a, even uh, a particular person or somebody. Well, I watch this one on television. That's who I come to. No, you come to Jesus. The reason you come to Jesus is, first of all, we have a sure promise. He says when we come to him, he will in no wise cast us out. If you come to Jesus Christ this morning... He's going to open arms and receive you if you come with repentance and, and your desire is to come to Jesus Christ. He's not going to turn you down. Man, if he could turn people down, I'm looking at a lot of us that he ought to turn down. But he's not going to turn you down. We've got a sure promise. The Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We've got that promise this morning. But we not only have a sure promise, we have a a superior priest the old priest in the old covenant he brought his sacrifices and if they were good for himself he was clean ceremonially and then he would go into the holy of holies and he would bring the sacrifices for the people of god they would tie bells on him and maybe a rope on his leg if if they heard the bells jingle everything was good but it got quiet you say, well, why would that make a difference? Because if he got quiet, the atonement for sin was not good for the next year. So they were dependent upon that high priest 
to be right before God. Now, in the new covenant, because of our superior high priest, he doesn't bring a, a, an offering or a sacrifice for his sin because our Lord doesn't have any sin. He brings the offering and the sacrifice as a perfect Lamb of God on Calvary, on the old rugged cross. That's what he brings. And so we have a superior Christ along, and, and priest along with a sure promise, and we've got a saving pardon. I'm telling you, the Lord will save us this morning. The Bible says that let us draw near with a true heart, verse 22, in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. What he's saying here is you can know you're saved. Now, I will tell you, we need to draw near. If you're not sure of your salvation, how are you going to help anybody else? You're not going to be able to help anybody else. So it, we have a full assurance because of our sure promise, because of the supreme priest, and because of a saving pardon. We're covered in the blood of the Lamb. And our lives are transformed. You're not the person you want to be. Nobody in here probably is. You're not the person you're going to be one day when you get glorified and you're in heaven. But bless God, you ain't the person you used to be. I mean, the blood of Jesus covers us. I don't think we've got a hold of that yet. The blood of Jesus has covered our sin. That ought to make us the happiest people in the world. I mean, we, we heard a great sermon on Monday night, Where is the Blood? And it was at the camp meeting. If you look it up on online, camp meeting with uh, Dennis Irwin, tremendous message. Where is the blood? And he was talking about the blood. It wasn't on the grave clothes. They were clean, white, pure. Where is the blood? The blood is still alive today. It's fresh today. It will be fresh next week. It'll be fresh next year if the Lord doesn't come back. It covers our past sins. It covers our present sin. And it's going to cover the sin in the future. That's why we can have full assurance. We used to sing an old song uh, in, in, I mean, years ago. You remember that one? You do? Don't lie to me. You, you do? Oh, you sang with me this morning? <laughs> it goes like this. You ask me why I'm happy, so I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. And when I meet the scoffers who ask me where they are, I say, my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary. As far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Boy, we got a hold of that. Somebody be shouting up in here this morning. Our sins are gone. They're gone. Separated as far as the east is west. Covered under the deepest sea. Praise God, let us come. But not only let us come. He says here in Hebrews, let us cling. That word hold fast uh, is a word cling there. He's saying let's cling. Salvation does not happen when we reach up and grab a hold of Jesus. That's not salvation. Salvation don't happen when you walk down an aisle. Salvation don't really happen when you pray a prayer. You can pray prayer to your blue in the face. Salvation doesn't happen when you go through the baptismal waters. That's a product of salvation. Salvation happens when Jesus reaches down and grabs a hold of you. 
That's the full assurance. When you understand you couldn't do anything to get saved, you can't do anything to get lost. When Jesus reached down and grabbed you, I've used this illustration a hundred times. I'll use it one more time this morning. If you were going to take your little five-year-old grandchild, I was watching Rosie and Matt walk home the other day with Ariella, and one had on one arm and one on the other side there. And, of course, they were just kind of dragging her along because she was looking all around. You know, she'd hear a sound, and she'd look over here, and she'd trip, and she'd fall. Let me tell you, if you had your five-year-old grandchild and you were crossing Loop 281 at 4th Street, number one, you ought to have your mental abilities checked. <laughs> but they got, they got access there where you can cross that thing if you're man enough. Uh, but, 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 but you got him by the hand, and he's got you by the hand, and you all take off walking. He's going to stumble. He's going to fall. And if you're me, you may stumble and fall too. But... But when you get to the other side, you're going to realize the important thing was not that he had a hold of you, but you had a hold of him. When we get to glory, we're going to realize one day the important thing is, oh, what I've done for Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. The important thing is he had a hold of us. He got me. And the devil cannot pry it loose. The words to that old song of the old of a rock of ages, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. That's what we've got this morning. We've got to hold fast. We've got to cling to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's come. Let us cling. And then he says, basically, let us have a healthy fellowship. I titled this sermon this morning, Fight for the Fellowship. Sometimes uh, things are worth fighting for. We've come to a place in our country where... There's a lot of people upset. There's going to come a day if we keep on going in this direction that if we're going to keep our freedom, somebody's going to have to stand up. Our freedom's being eroded right and left. Morality is at an all-time low. And what's crazy about it is there's enough of us who love Jesus to stand up. There's not 2% of the population trying to drag it down. Fellowship is important. Daryl Robinson said this in his book, Total Church Life. A church will never grow beyond its fellowship. If the fellowship is right, the church will continue to minister, witness in love, and be built up in maturity and in number. But if the fellowship is not right, the church will decline and eventually die. If the fellowship is disrupted, everything else goes down. Attendance will drop. Giving will decrease. Outreach will stop. Building the fellowship is crucial to the growth of a church. Now, you look around and you know that is so true. We, we got a word fellowship and we, we flag it around, you know. We think of it, it means eating. And we do a lot of fellowship around here. We do a lot of eating around here. This is not the place to be on a diet. Not, not here. Uh, but we do have salad every time we eat, so you can be on a diet if you, you know, if you want to pass up the chicken Alfredo, you can have salad. Fellowship is more than just gathering together, though. It is a time when we get to know one another. We get to encourage one another. We fellowship with one another. You say, well, I, I'd rather just not anybody know. I don't, I don't want... No, that, that's where your strength comes from, from the people of God. 
We're to exhort one another. We're to lift each other up. It goes farther than just getting together and hanging out. It's more about it's building relationship with a person. Somebody has said fellowship is two fellows in the same ship rowing in the same direction. A healthy fellowship, it pays attention to others. To others. We're told here to consider others. Look at verse 40, uh, 24. Let us consider one another. Consider others. To provoke unto love and to do good works. And to good works. We're, uh, uh, Paul said to the Philippians, he said, You consider others more important than yourself. Do not merely look at your own personal interests, but the interests of others. Jesus said, love your neighbor. He said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if we're bent on maintaining a healthy fellowship, we're going to have to focus not inwardly, but outwardly with others, with others in mind. Could, could I just be honest with you and tell you something? We didn't build these parking lots for the people of members of this church. You're already saved. You ought to be parking out in the grass. We built these parking lots for people who are lost, that need Jesus, that need a Savior. Hmm? Hey, if you know the Lord, we, we don't have to have this kind of building, but this kind of building will, will bring others in. A healthy church pays attention to the needs of other people, and an unhealthy church will ignore other people. Becky and I have had the privilege of being in six churches since we've been married, almost 47 years. The first church we went to, uh, dead at 4 o'clock, God love them, uh, but they were loving. They made us feel right at home. Uh, in fact, it's probably the only church we ever went to that had a parsonage that had it cleaned up and shining when we got there. Most of them didn't do that. Uh, but we were there, and we loved that church, and it became like family to us. And uh, Jeremy was born there, and they showered us with love there. The next church we went to was a great church. It was a smaller church. In fact, I, I've never gone. There's something wrong in my ministry. I've never gone to a church that was larger than the one I was at. It's always a nosedive. They go down. I'm not sure why that is, but... but uh, it was a great church. The third church we went to, Becky sat down one night, and uh, this lady said, that's uh, Eloise's seat. <laughs> so she got up and moved over. What was that other lady's name? Started with a C? I can't remember. Anyhow, that's Cleo's seat. And my wife, in her younger days, could be feistier than she is now. <laughs> She's mellowed. She said, is there a seat here that's not taken? And she went to a seat that wasn't taken. Now, let me tell you something. We didn't feel at home there. I'll be honest with you. Would, you. would you stick that out 10 or 12 weeks and just try to forbear that, to try to break in? No. Only reason I stuck it out, I was on staff at that church. There wasn't anything else I could do. But I wouldn't do that. Hey, a, a church that looks at others... Uh, what, what, what could people do to make people feel more welcome? Number one, they could have, have acknowledged us and not, not embarrassed us, but acknowledged us. They could have forgot about catching up with old friends and thought about people around them instead of just their own group. Uh, most churches, every, every church I've ever been to, I don't care how dead it was or doing nothing, 
they would always say, but we have such a friendly church. Well, sure you do if you've been there 35 years and you know everybody. But for somebody new coming in that hadn't been here 30 years, they don't know anybody. And we're all having old home week when we ought to be looking out for sharing for others. I want to give you a couple of little points. I won't charge you for this. For those who are healthy, you want to know how to help this church? For those of you who are healthy, young like I am, park out here in the faraway places. Leave these up-close places for senior adults who are just barely getting around and for mamas with children and for people who are sick. It won't hurt you to park out there. You need to exercise. Okay? That's number one. Number two, along those same lines is, now I'm not being critical this morning. I'm just telling you what it is. Leave those back rows empty back there. There's not a visitor in the world that wants to come and climb over 20 people to get into a service. Y'all ought to be wanting to. This, this, these front seats ought to be filled to capacity down here before we ever go to the back. If Vince Gilly was here this morning, you'd do that. Well, I guess he may not be anybody impressive. Who? If Neil McCoy was here this morning, you wouldn't do that. You'd want to be right down here. And then when we see a guest speak, speak. Now, I'm, I'm expecting, if you're a guest with us this morning, I, I'm just shooting straight with our people, but I, I, want, I want people to speak. Man, we've got to speak to one another. We've got to encourage one another. Now, I will grant you, if you're a guest here this morning, I want to warn you, we've got a couple of crankheads. <laughs> we've we got a couple that would not smile if you were serving Bluebell Tin Roof ice cream. <laughs> but one of the primary functions is that we keep up with people and we encourage people. This is a weird church. Uh, most churches for their worship average 85 to 90 percent of their life group Sunday school in worship we probably do 50 percent maybe a little bit more so that means if you're here this morning if you have a life group somebody got your name and they're supposed to be keeping up with you if you don't have a life group though we don't we I mean, it may be three weeks in staff meeting, and somebody say, hey, what about old so-and-so? We, we hadn't seen him. We hadn't seen her. And, and they dropped through the crack. We, we've got, and we're working on it. We're finding a better way to keep people involved and keep them concerned. And, and people get all swept up today in, in a lot of false teachings, and there's many false teachers on television today. And I want to tell you, it's, it's easier uh, to watch somebody on television and, and, and go off on a rampant with them. But you need to make sure that who you're with, I don't care if it's this preacher or if it's Brother Case or anybody else, you check the Word of God. I, I'm telling you, we're doing our best to tell you the truth. And then we also look out for those who might cause division. Now, you can't say that everybody that disagrees with you is causing division because we all have different attitudes. We all have different personalities. We all have different things that are important to us. 
I'm talking about people who are so in discord. Uh, you know, you, you get on Facebook. Man, I had one tell me here, I don't know, six weeks or so ago, uh, Brother Charles, my, my son won't come to church. He won't go to church anymore because you made him mad. I said, well, that's one of my jobs to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comforted. <laughs> but I did say at the very least, he might not ever come to Woodland Hills because I made him mad. But to say, I'm not going to go to church because there's 129 churches in our local area, Baptist churches. So if I make you mad, I just go, I mean, I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to get, usually people get mad, and then they get sad, and then they get glad. That's usually the cycle you go through. I want you to get glad. I want you to be in, in. I want you to be up with Jesus and not look at some man. Don't let some man run you off from your church. So, we also a healthy church generates effective ministry. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another." This word "stimulate" here means to rouse to action. It's a strong word that means provoke. We're to provoke one another to go on with Jesus Christ, teaching the Word of God, corporate worship together, uh, our lives as an example, the love, and, and then, I gotta hurry, a, a healthy fellowship meets together. Now, I know there's some watching by uh, live stream today that cannot be here, but I wanna tell you something. Most of the ones I know who can't be here would give anything in the world if they could be here. And if they could, they would. But I'm just telling the rest of you who are watching by live stream, I'm thankful you're watching all those off. But those of you who are right around here in town, if the Lord shows up this morning, we have a blowout. Hey, you're not going to get in on it. You're going to be watching it on television or your computer. I'm telling you, I'm looking for the Lord to come by here. I want him to be here. That's being active. That's being involved. Uh, the new norm today is if somebody is 25 or 50% involved, they're pretty well regular. We call them regular attendees. That's what the church growth gurus. And I want to tell you, I, I don't buy into that. Uh, the new normal, that's not active, that's not involved. You don't approach your kids' music that way or drama or baseball or basketball or football. If a coach has three practices a week, you go to all three of them. If you went to one and missed two, you wouldn't be called active. But we come to the house of God, and if we're here once a month, well, bless God, we've done our part. No. I hear people say, you don't have to go to church to be a good Christian. I can be one without church. It's wrong. It's wrong. Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for his bride, the church. This ought to be a place that is holy and reverent, and we ought to be here every opportunity we can because of what Christ has done for us. Great D.L. Moody was visiting a prominent Chicago citizen when the idea of a church membership came up, and he said, uh, Dr. Moody, I, I can... Uh, I can serve the Lord fine. I'm fine with God without ever going to church. I don't need to go to church. They were in front of a fire, and Moody just walked over and took a big log off the fire and just set it over to the side. 
Well, you know what happened. That log went out. It didn't take very long. It wasn't burning anymore. Moody walked over and picked it up and put it back on the fire. The guy said, you don't have to say anything else. I'll be there Sunday. <laughs> See, when you're in the fire and you move over to the side, you're going to go out. But listen, that's not where it stops. When you take that log off that fire, you're going to lessen what that fire can do because you've come over here. It's not only that you need the church. Listen, the church needs you. We need you. You may just be one, but, man, I've heard it all my life from Herman Kramer. You're an important one, very important one. This is not a suggestion here. He's not telling us it's a good idea. This is a command. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. Don't stay away. You go and get involved. And then a healthy fellowship encourages one another. We're to lift each other up. You ever feel like you're just down in the dumps? <laughs> if I was honest with you this morning, I'd tell you that's one of these days. I just... Uh, I thought, man, I don't, I don't want to get up. I don't want to preach. I don't want to do nothing. But the Spirit of God, to come around and see you, even in the early service, I mean, people are half asleep, but they still will speak to you. That's an encouragement. And then to go to Mason Creek, and man, the, the music was great over there, and the, 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 the people were there, and the choir biggest choir we've had yet over there and then to see one baptized and, and then to get back in here and the devil did it again when I walked in the door. I walked in the door here and there wasn't there wasn't 75 people in this whole place. I said, good grief, we're going to be down today. It's going to be bad. I know the devil may not fool with you like that, but he's always it's not him. I'm not important enough for the devil, but he's got a demon that's just as mean as he is. And then lastly, a healthy fellowship is mindful of the time. I said, I'm glad you read it. It's 10 minutes 12. You need to be mindful of the time. That's not the time he's talking about. He's talking about the time when the Lord comes back. If we're going to be a church that's worth our salt, we're going to be, have to be mindful of the time. We don't have a lot of time. We're running wide open on every cylinder. And nobody loves it more than me. I'm telling you, there are people who need the Lord Jesus Christ who have never even been challenged with their lifestyle. They're seeking for something. They're looking for something. They're, they're, they're not satisfied with life. They're not satisfied with the wealth. They're not satisfied with their jobs. And the only thing that will ever satisfy them is to come to the new priest who gave his life on Calvary and have eternal life. And the void will be full. I would just beg you this morning, if God is speaking to your heart and you don't have the full assurance of your salvation, I, I wouldn't leave the building until I did. I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. 
But I wouldn't leave the building until I did. Maybe this morning you're here and you've been saved and you know you're saved, but <laughs> the truth is you hadn't really been holding fast. You've been kind of slothful and slipping. Maybe you just need to come and stand here at this altar and kneel at this altar if you can. Say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Maybe today, this is Amnesty Sunday. I'm, I'm proclaiming it Amnesty Sunday. For every one of you who should have joined this church six or eight weeks ago, or three months ago, or six months ago, I'm going to give you amnesty. Just come right down here and let's be a part of this church. You say, well, I'm not sure. How much more do you need to pray? Huh? Hey, if God's in it, then do it. If he's not in it, then don't do it. But I just want to tell you, I just want to remind you, the times are near.